Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, the explosive Bachelorette finale that took us by surprise after quite a lacklustre Bachelorette season, plus the baby rumours that Hayley Bieber is having none of, and then how one of Netflix's most streamed films this month also happens to be one of Netflix's worst Christmas movies we've ever seen. But first, Zara, how was your week? Hello. Well, good to be in person. It's strange. I can't even, like, we're meant to look in the eye. I don't really remember how we used to do this. Like, do we look each other in the eye when we record this podcast? I've forgotten. I feel, what is it? Um, I feel like we're on a date. Or training wheels a bit. Yeah, I feel like we're on a weird first date where it's like, (laughs) who speaks when you're like a real material person? It feels like we've been texting back and forth or like chatting through Bumble for a bit and now we're in the flesh. Yeah, it's the blind date. Anyway, how was my week? Week was good. I mean, the US election was on and I feel like I've just spent about five straight days in front of CNN and I had never watched CNN in my entire life. No, neither. So I feel like there's all these new characters in my life. Like all the stars of CNN's US election coverage are now celebrities in my mind and I've been like Googling them all and following them all on Instagram and Twitter. (laughs) It's been a unique few days. And I finally understand, I think it was a tweet or post I saw on Andy Lee's Instagram and he and a friend were going back and forth and someone said to Andy Lee, I finally understand what you see in test cricket and I was like that is so true because I have been staring at this screen for hours on end nothing is changing not even really incrementally over the course of four or five hours and I just can't stop at all it's so strange and it's like the same information being regurgitated that you heard half an hour ago but it has like a new you have like a new lease on life every time you hear it back again well part of me was like I reckon I could do this after four hours in the same spot because I was like they're saying the same message over and over and over again because they have to feel they have to fill the space and they were saying the same thing but they kept hiding behind the fact of we've got to make this very clear we've got to explain this to the viewers and I'm sitting at home in Melbourne Australia being like you don't have to explain it again anyway I don't actually have a recommendation because I cannot tell you I don't think I've consumed anything apart from that for the last five days but I do have a recommendation of an invention that I think that somebody could or should create. Great. I think this is something new that we could do because I am so happy to put this idea into the world. I will take no money from this (laughs) idea. If someone wants to take this idea and fucking run with it and make it, I will just be a simple consumer and purchase the product. I just need it. You'll just have like the ease and the simplicity of having this product in your life. Yeah. So I think I'm doing a public service. Here is the idea. I have recently been on a journey of trying to be able to consume more chili and I don't think it's a very sexy thing to admit that you're not very good at eating chilies therefore it's the first time I've really spoken about it on the podcast right but my friends and my partner are real chili eaters and so every time I go over to their house for dinner they're always saying okay well who who likes chili how much do you like chili And I keep thinking there should be some fucking universal scale for how well you take chilli. There should be some sort of like thermometer where you take it and you're like, yeah, I'm a seven or I'm a six. So could the the meal in front of me please be somewhere between a six and an eight and I'll be able to eat it. Like it's such a fucking vague system where you have to talk about whether you eat chilli or not and how well you eat it. But nobody knows if their sort of standards for chilli eating are the same. A few questions. Go. So say we all had a thermometer that we put in our mouth and I'm guessing it like keeps dialing up the spice until you like tap a button or like press something on your phone and you go that's the level I'm comfortable with exactly right so you've got the thermometer yeah how do you then apply that to a recipe easy somehow (laughs) it gets stuck into I mean this is why I'm just putting the idea into the world because it's not it's not fully fleshed out there's loose ends but that's for the people to decide you put it into the meal and then it comes up and says this is of a rating of 75 
Well, right. now I'm changing the scale. Is it 10? Is it 100? So you need like, you need two thermometers, one for people to put in their mouth, but then you'd need like disposable ones because we need to be COVID safe. Well, I think it's it's a matter of doing it once and knowing your number, unless you feel like you've improved like fitness, for okay. example. Okay. And then you use the same thermometer to stick into your meals. Well, perhaps there's a different <laughs> I mean, I didn't expect so many questions. I did say I wasn't the one inventing it. I was just putting the idea. I don't think it's the worst idea. I appreciate there are hurdles, but I've been thinking about it a lot this week because, oh my God, we're not editing that snort out at all. I've just been thinking about it a lot because all I've been doing is sitting in front of the same US election coverage day in, day out, and I've been trying to get creative with my thoughts. Have you like thought of a name? No. <laughs> nah, that's actually... Chilometer. Chilometer. Chilometer's great. Okay, well, if you want to use the chilometer, I don't know, what, what's the word for this when someone has a patent? My IP. If you or, want the patent and yes. the IP to the chilometer, just give us like a, a heads up so we can just assign it to you and we're not going to have 100,000 listeners go out and try and create this. Just tell me where to buy it when it's ready. Amazing. How was your week? <laughs> <laughs> Good. I mean, I don't have a recommendation either because I'm the same as you and I've just been voraciously consuming election content. I have been having a weird recurring dream about Kyle Sanderlands. This seems normal. Really normal. It began with one dream where we were interviewing Kyle Sanderlands. We were at an obscure airport. Jules Lund, who is quite an obscure Australian <laughs> figure. If you're not in Australia, Jules Lund used to be on radio. He's now an entrepreneur and yeah. runs quite a successful, like what, social marketing business, I think. Yes, something of the sort. Yeah. So Jules Lund set up the interview between us and Kyle. I think we've only spoken to Jules Lund once in our life. So I don't know why he would be like the liaison <laughs> officer between the two. It just doesn't sound so far out of the realm of possibility. Like of dream, of ridiculous dreams you've had when you're being chased by monsters or, you know, being eaten or whatever people dream about this is this is a pretty realistic dream well this is where it gets weird so the first dream wasn't that bad we were interviewing him at the airport there was a bit of a curveball when Carl rocked up and we realized we didn't have any questions prepped for him and we had to write our questions like hurriedly down on a napkin that was a weird dream the next night I dreamt about him again and he and I were escaping war together and were like in a car driving away from like gun yielding soldiers. People might think this is like a weird pitch for us to get Kyle on the podcast. I don't think it is. Well, this is the thing. He's not exactly someone I gravitate towards in the public eye. Would people like Kyle Sanderlands on the podcast? Is this a sign from the universe? I truly don't think it is, but it is quite odd that I'm dreaming about him again and again when I literally couldn't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't think I want him on the podcast, but sure, <laughs> put it to the people instead. <laughs> Doesn't matter if Zara wants it, it'll just be a Michelle and Kyle one-on-one. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. That's just my recurring dream. And it's, I think it's because I've got anxiety at the moment. And when I have bad anxiety, my dreams go really fucking crazy. Well, I think that's meant to be quite normal, right? Remember when we were talking about pandemic dreaming a mm. while ago, that at the start of the pandemic, people were dreaming at such a high rate because mm. they were anxious. So there you go. Maybe this is just your anxious dream. I would love if there were any listeners tuning in who like, you know how some people analyse dreams Don't. and like come up with some weird meaning behind them. Please tell me why I'm dreaming about Kyle Sanderlands. I would love to know. I feel like I've been very polite through this conversation, but I do have a pet peeve and it's the person that turns up to drinks or dinner and be like, I had the weirdest dream last night because I'm like, I don't actually care that much because it's not based in any form of reality. Anyway, let's move right onto the hotline. (sighs) Onto the hotline, we have Emma calling in about the one, the only, James Corden. Hey ladies, I absolutely love your podcast and I was listening to your latest segment on James Corden and I actually have a 
very awkward encounter with him myself. So I was walking with my partner in Sydney and James Corden was sitting on the boardwalk of Manly, alone eating fish and chips. My partner actually pointed him out because he could hear his voice and said, no way, that's James Corden. And I totally freaked out, which in hindsight, I'm cringing at, and started walking up to him to get a photo. He stared me dead in the eye and shooed me away with a hand gesture like a fly. I was so mortified, my face just dropped (laughs) and I just stood there until I decided to walk away and ever since I just haven't really been able to look at him the same. Anyways, I guess that's what's expected with personalities like that. (laughs) Thanks, ladies. Emma, this is so frustrating for me because when I re-listen, like after we do every episode, Zara, we re-listen to the episode to make sure there's no like, I don't know, audio problems or anything we need to weed out. I re-listened to our James Corden chat and the entire time my head was going, Michelle, in your gut, you know he's a dick. Yes. Like, you know he's a dick. Why are you trying to defend him? No, you know it to be true. That's fair because I think one thing we often talk about on this podcast is benefit of the doubt and how it doesn't <laughs> exist very much. But you're so right. In our gut, we kind of knew. This was such a good story from Emma as well because it was the shoe for me. Yes. The shoe, shoe away as if she was a fly. The hand up in the air. The hand up in the air to be like, don't you fucking dare come near me. I am like prime real estate of a human being and you are nothing. Poor Emma. If you don't want to be approached though, I, I don't want to victim blame here, but if you don't want to be approached, should you be eating fish and chips by yourself on the boardwalk of Manly, which is a very busy place to be? I mean, I hate to jump to James Corden's defence again. <laughs> here <we> go. <laughs> but wouldn't he say, well, can't I just live my life? Like, can't I be a normal human being? I mean, potentially. Have you had any celebrity run-ins? Um... No, I mean, I've been very judgmental of a celebrity like before. I remember I did see a celebrity from afar when I was at a an event like a few years ago and I remember thinking they were mean, but I had no real reason to think that other than the fact that they just looked like they were too good to be there. Yeah, that's such a that is such a thing that people just assume. Yeah. What I would love to know is if anyone's listening to this who has had a run in with a celebrity of like the James Corden ilk. I'm not really interested even in like oh, have you had one? Yeah. Who? Well, how do we define run in, by the way? Like an an eye contact. I would say eye contact is run in. Okay, sure. Yeah, let's roll with this. Who the fuck have you had? Uh, Two. Who? One has been contested by the friends that I was with. <laughs> So the first one was when I was um, in London. This was like a week apart I was overseas and I swore I saw Graham Norton on a bike with a helmet (laughs) and my two friends who I was with at the time both didn't see Graham Norton but I was like, oh my God, guys, it's Graham Norton, it's Graham Norton and then he rode his little bike away and they were like, that's not Graham Norton and I was like, well, you're only looking at him from behind. The second person I saw a week later and this is a hot one, this is a really hot one, this was Jessica Biel in Paris. She was at a park with her kids and I was such a freak. I didn't do anything because I was like, I don't want to annoy her. I'm so polite. But I did walk and just sort of exist around her for a while. I just <laughs> happily stood in her orbit. Just like to bathe in her aura. Well, I was just more like, and I don't know if this is like a common response to being around famous people, but when I see someone really famous, I often can't quite believe I'm in the same space as them. Like, I'm like, I've consumed this person on TV, on movies on the news and this is them in the flesh like I have this overwhelming sense it happens at concerts too like when we went to Sean Mendes oh my god we freaked out and you're like oh I can't believe that's Sean Mendes in the flesh right here 
And the funny thing about the Shawn Mendes concert is if you would ask me a month before who Shawn Mendes, I'd be like, I don't know, some like teeny bopper star. But at his concert, I completely lost the plot. It's almost like I can't believe you exist, but also I get shocked when really famous people are not that tall. In my head, famous people are tall. And then when you see them in real life and they're not that tall, that takes me by surprise. I don't know why. Graham Norton did look very little on his bike, but that's probably (laughs) because my friends don't think it was Graham Norton. Anyway, if you've had a much better run in than Michelle or I, please call the hotline. You know where it is. It's on the website. We would love to hear it. But first, Michelle, let's start with The Bachelorette this week. Let's start. Now, if you heard that on today's show, we're going to be talking about The Bachelorette and you thought to yourself, I don't care. I haven't watched Fear not, my precious listener, because neither have Zara or I. I only watched the premiere episode and then the finale episode, so you are amongst friends when it comes to not being the most up-to-date with The Bachelorette. So on Thursday night, we did have the finale of Ellie and Becky Miles' season. Yes, it's that season with the two sisters, a concept that many of us struggle to understand and a concept, Zara, that struggled to really resonate with audiences because it has been the least-watched Bachelorette season of all time. Now the finale was on Thursday night, Zara. We found out that Ali picked Fraser and that Becky picked Pete. Once again, the Oracle picked two from two. Yeah, I know. I actually was a bit stumped myself (laughs) (laughs) because I was not passionate about this at all. Remember when I like reluctantly gave my predictions, I was very confident about Pete. And I think the thing about Pete, for people who want to know how to play this game and do this, Pete is like the quintessential winner. Like how they paint him from the start is the quintessential winner. Right. And I don't really know how to explain it. It's just the same person every time. Gotcha. Okay. Fraser, Fraser I was less passionate about. I just... I check sports bet. No, I didn't check sports bet. I don't because then it would be an absolute fraud. But I did check sports bet going into the finale and was a bit shook that Fraser had won because remember when I said it was Fraser because I felt like Ellie and Fraser had like a good thing going. But, you know, there were weird murmurings about whether Fraser was single or whether he wasn't. That's why I wasn't passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like my gut, when I'm not sure about my predictions. Yes. It's telling that maybe they don't end up together. Okay, interesting. You did feel a bit wishy-washy about all the male suitors that Ellie was interested in and maybe that was a good indication. Yeah, well, it also didn't work out with Becky either. So maybe I'm not bang on because I didn't say that Becky wasn't going to end up with Pete. But let's explain that and let's unpack that a little bit because I think this might be the quickest relationship apart from the honey badger who didn't have a relationship with anyone (laughs) after the show. This may be the, the quickest relationship to fall apart. So Becky, the older sister who was on The Bachelorette, who had been on the show before picked Pete in the last rose ceremony and then apparently they spent a couple of days together in you know a little cottage or somewhere <laughs> I'm actually just literally making shit up you're now just filling in the blanks <laughs> to be like oh, I'm just gonna guess throw it out there no listener's gonna come back and be like actually Zara they were at a coastal retreat <laughs> well it might still be a cottage if it's coastal retreat anyway and then apparently he went back to Adelaide she went back to Newcastle and he FaceTimed her and broke up with her after three days yes so we originally found Found out that things didn't work the morning after the finale when Becky wrote on Instagram, thank you to everyone for coming on this incredible and crazy journey with Ellie and I. We came on this experience wanting a fairy tale ending for the two of us. And while I am thrilled that Ellie found her person in Fraser, unfortunately, things didn't work out with Pete and I. Although I wasn't lucky enough to find my person this time around, I am grateful for this opportunity and leave with fond memories and no regrets. That morning, she went on the Fitzy and Whipper radio show and gave us the details that we all needed. Basically, she said, and I quote, when Pete got home to Adelaide, about three days later, we had a FaceTime and he said, look, 
I'm sorry, I just can't do it. I'm still quite confused and I'm not really quite sure. He said that he didn't see a spark there. I just wanted to really give it a crack in the real world and he just wanted to chuck in the towel without even having a conversation about it. How do we feel about this? Because I don't know if I'm going to be going against the grain and have an unpopular opinion here. Mm. But I have to say, and maybe it's because I picked Pete as my winner all along and thought that he seemed like a pretty good guy, but I think I'd rather someone end it this quickly. Genuinely, I think I'd rather them, rather than what you wanted to be let on, if he's not feeling it. Hang on. You're you're defending Pete. I think so. You're defending the guy who went through with the whole show and then dumped her three days after filming wrapped. Yep. This is the hill you're going to die on. I won't die on it, but I'll stand (laughs) on it. (laughs) Okay. Why couldn't he have turned to her at any of the eight dates or eight episodes or whatever that he was on and said, you know what, Becky, I came on this show for a good time. I'm not really feeling it between the two of us. Like when she picked him to be in his final three and he knew that there was a pretty likely chance that he'd be picked at the end, why couldn't he have the guts and the courage to be like, this isn't for me? Surely he knew that. You don't decide that within three days. He must have known something wasn't quite right on that finale episode and he didn't have the balls to tell her while they were filming. All right, may I put to you what I consider to be an example that's not dissimilar. And that is the example of marrying someone when you've got cold feet. And you and I, and you have said off mic, so you can't change your opinion right now. You you wish you wish you would have the courage to end it before the wedding. A lot yes. of people would. I would love to sit here and say, I would end it before the wedding. I'm absolutely going to end it before the wedding. But sometimes the pressure gets too much. You get swept up in everything that's going on around you. You don't want to disappoint people. You think that you can fall back in love or you're just nervous or it's other things outside of what's going on in your own heart. Yeah. So you go through with the process and then you break up after. Right. Quite different though. When you get cold feet before a wedding, you are the only contestant involved. It's you and the groom or the bride or whatever partner you see yourself marrying. Well, this is close-minded because there are some polyamorous weddings out there, but sure. (laughs) But in this, there are literally other men that she could explore things with. There were literally other contestants waiting in the wings for her to fall in love with, where the passion was there, the chemistry was there, but she invested all of her eggs into Pete's basket. Weird metaphor, but I'm just going to go with it. I think that <laughs> I think that I'm not that passionate about this debate. I do think that he's not the worst guy in the world. I don't think he purely would have gone on there for fame, but I also agree. Oh, Zara. Okay, he wouldn't have gone on there for fame, but I feel like the men who go on The Bachelor these days yeah, go on for a boy's holiday. They go on for like a fucking laugh with the boys. And again, I'm not going to take this too seriously because now I sound like I'm ranting and I'm trying to defend like the sanctity of the fucking Bachelor franchise. What gets me is that Becky clearly didn't go on the show for fame. I don't think she did anyway. And that's a gripe I've had with the franchise, both Bachelorette, Bachelor and Batch in Paradise for quite some time. But a lot of the people, the contestants and the actual like suitors chosen seem to be on there for a bit of Instagram fame. Becky was one of the first people I've seen who didn't seem interested in that, had a private Instagram account, wasn't about that life. I think she legitimately went on the show for a life experience, but also to potentially meet someone incredible. And I think all the men chosen to go on that show 
were like part of a boys club and just wanted to be there for the boys. I don't think Pete was part of the boys club. I mean, neither of us wanted to show enough to be really having these passionate opinions. But anyway, it is an interesting experience because I can't I can't remember a time where a relationship fell apart so quickly and it did make me think I wonder if there's therefore been more pressure on Ellie and Fraser's relationship to last the entirety of post-filming so yes. that when the finale airs, at least one of the couples is still together. Interesting. I do want to talk to you as well about another headline that's come out about Ellie and Fraser. Yes. Did you see this? Now, this, now, actually, before I even get into this, this was published in The Wash, thewash.com. Have you seen The Wash around? The Wash keeps coming up on my Instagram explore page and I had no idea what it was. I think it's just suddenly exploded out of nowhere. Is it a gossip site? It's yeah, like, what the fuck? It's like an Australian gossip site that's just like popped out of oblivion <laughs> and is suddenly getting all these Bachelor exclusives that would be driving the Daily Mail mad. Totally. That's what I love about it. So this is what they published this week. Exclusive. Fraser Neat had a secret girlfriend while filming The Bachelorette. He told her he came second and she leaked their texts. <laughs> now, apparently, he was dating a woman called Cheyenne until the day he flew to Sydney to film the show back in July. He even left his dog, King, questionable dog name, but moving on, left King with Cheyenne during filming, then when he got home from filming, insisted to her multiple times that he came runner-up, he didn't win. This is the quote that Cheyenne gave to The Wash. When Fraser got out, he called me straight from the airport. He said, I appreciate you so much. I had a lot of thinking to do and I thought about you a lot when I was in the house. In an ideal world, we would be together but because of the show, we can't. He told me he came second. He told me to my face multiple times that he didn't win. I said to him, Look me in the eyes and tell me you came second because if I watch the show and see that you've come first, that is so fucked. And he said to me, I promise I wouldn't lie to you. You mean too much to me. I came second. I find the best part of this story a quote where she said to the wash, I had to watch the finale last night and see that he won while sitting with his dog, explaining that Fraser had left his pup with her again as he went to secretly reunite with Ellie. Like, imagine sitting at home with some guy's dog being like, holy shit, I'm babysitting this dog so that he can go reunite with the girl he promised me he wasn't dating. There is also a particular breed of person who sticks with their lie even when they know it's about to come undone. Like they know the lie is going to be revealed as a lie and yet they stick with it anyway. And that just defies all logic and reason and I cannot understand it. I am reading into the tone of Ellie and Fraser's posts quite a bit now that the finale mm. has aired because even watching the finale and watching Ellie tell Fraser that, you know, he was the one she'd picked, it felt like a very different vibe to every other finale that I've watched in the sense that like I cry every mm. single time the couples come together because of like oh I love you I love you so much and then <laughs> kissy kiss and then they, they have a little kiss and it's like <laughs> quite beautiful and this was lovely but that kind of intensity of love definitely wasn't there it was kind of like I kind of want to date you that's how mm. it felt like I want to get to know you more and, and then he did have a secret girlfriend so that probably is something to well <laughs> apparently or reportedly but also Ellie's post was just what a ride I'd just like to thank everyone for their support and kind words to Fraser and I and then she goes on and says very beautiful things about her sister I'm so happy that we have gotten to this point and finally have everything out in the open and we can get cracking on making some epic memories together good times ahead it's just a very different tone to any other couple post I've seen since I started watching the show and that's not to say they're not together I just wonder if because the show was filmed so quickly mm. because there were the same amount of suitors for two of them 
to choose between, which means the pool is just so much smaller mm. that they genuinely probably don't know each other very well. No. Like they're genuinely probably only starting to get to know each other. And so these little hurdles from the wash probably aren't going to help their relationship. No. Also, they had the extra hurdle of COVID. They saw each yeah. other once between filming, wrapping and the show airing. So really they're two people who have gone on a handful of dates and have seen each other like once or twice since this show wrapped but on top of that I don't know I read that originally and I thought there's no way they're together Channel 10 is going to have some contractual arrangement that they have to pretend to be together because it's a bad look for both couples to be like donezo by the time the finale airs however I wonder if they're just not the emotional type because they posted that and then they followed it up on Ali's page anyway with like a beautiful montage of all these like kissing photos and selfies together and quite loved up imagery and so I'm like maybe they're just not the kind of people who'll come onto Instagram and be like this is my future baby mama Lockie Gilbert (laughs) and like I love you and I can't wait to marry you maybe they're just not those kind of people yeah and maybe it does seem like a younger relationship Mm. in a sense that like Ellie is much younger than any of the other bachelorettes so it's not like she's coming on here saying well now this is the person that I'm gonna marry tomorrow Mm. but it's been an interesting finale to see I just kind of think that bachelor and bachelorette needs to do an Australian Idol and just go away for a little (laughs) while and then make its grand comeback because I'm not sure they can come back from this. Well, I'm just worried about King. Like, where does King go now? He's clearly with, still with Cheyenne. Like, who's looking after King? I, <laughs> Cheyenne. <laughs> Cheyenne's looking after King. Coming up after the break, the rapper that got dumped for endorsing Trump and the worst Netflix rom-com to ever exist. But first, a word from today's sponsors. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle, Michelle Elizabeth, in my presence, Andrews. (laughs) What have you got for me? Okay, my first story. I just want to preface this by saying I care so much and I hope other people do too. This code for bit niche, but... Well, (laughs) she's not a celeb that we've talked about a lot on Shameless, but I hope people care. Kelly Clarkson legally hits back at father-in-law amid split, demands money made off her be returned. That is from People. If you have missed this story, which I'm guessing you have, Zara, you don't strike me as a huge Kelly Clarkson fan. If you were to say to me, do you love Kelly Clarkson? I would say, yeah, I love love Kelly. Well, you love her. Well, no, I like her. There we go. Good to clear that up. So Kelly Clarkson is fighting her management company of 13 years in court. So it's called Starstruck Management Group, which plot twist, is owned by her estranged husband's dad. So she was married to Brandon Blackstock for seven years. She was with this management group. That's how they met, how they got in touch. They are going through a messy divorce. The management group filed a lawsuit against Kelly Clarkson upon her separation from Brandon Blackstock and said that she owes them $1.4 million US in unpaid commissions from the last financial year. She then countersued and says she owes them nothing. In fact, they owe her money because they were operating as an unlicensed talent agency. Apparently, they need a license to be a talent agency. Who knew? How many ears do you reckon are tuning off right now? What I care about. Come on is the fact that Kelly Clarkson is getting a divorce from her husband, Brandon. Okay, but this is not the story of the divorce. <laughs> I missed this, right? The divorce was announced three weeks ago. Oh, so we. So this is basically your way of saying we, a pop culture podcast, missed Kelly Clarkson's divorce. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm going to put a fucking random story about <laughs> Kelly Clarkson's legal battles in here so we can actually talk about the divorce. Yes, and I think people will care about the divorce because one of my favourite viral videos of all time is about Kelly Clarkson and how much she loved, past tense, 
her husband. Have you seen Kelly Clarkson performing at the American Idol finale? Like it's going away to her. Her song Piece by Piece acoustically and she was pregnant and she started crying because Piece by Piece is a song that she wrote about how fucked her dad was to her as a kid and how he left her at six years old but her husband Brandon would never leave and how he was the best man she's ever met. I didn't know that but now this is even sadder because he did leave her. She's been hinting ever since that she didn't see the relationship falling apart. She didn't see the divorce coming. Yes, Annabelle, please put in a snippet from this song so that everyone gets into the mood with me. That a man can be kind and the father could... Okay, she cries on stage. It is the most emotional video ever. It has 40 million views. I literally said to my sister Evelyn when we watched this last week, God, I hope Kelly Clarkson never gets divorced because after this song, this is like true love. They are the one celebrity couple I suddenly care about. And then I had to fucking open Apple News this morning and see that they're getting a divorce. So you said this while they'd already actually split, <laughs> yes. but you just hadn't kept up with the news enough to know that they'd already <laughs> yes. split. I mean, not a bad story, not your best. I do care about that thing <sighs> now. I don't know this song though, but sounds good. Peace by peace. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> My second story. Hayley Bieber breaks silence on pregnancy rumours and calls out Us Weekly. That is from Elle magazine. Zara, why do we care? We care because during the week, our favourite blind item gossip Instagram account, Demois, posted a blind item, an unverified blind item, from a follower who said that two A-list celebrities are about to announce their pregnancy. Mm. And there was a few names thrown around. One of them was, is it Justin and Hayley Bieber? There were other names thrown around as well, like Alicia Vikander, like quite, quite a motley crew of people thrown around. Isn't it kind of dumb, by the way, to say an A-list couple is about to announce their pregnancy when there's like a massive COVID baby boom and that's just bound to be true? Exactly. So what I find interesting is that it seems to me that Us Weekly ran with this and ran with the rumours that Hayley Bieber was about to have or announce her pregnancy. Hayley Bieber came back on her Instagram story and wrote, since I know you guys are about to break your little story, Us Weekly, I am not pregnant. So please stop writing false stories from your sources and focus on what's important, also known as the election. So I found this really interesting that Us Weekly were even going to bother trying to run this story if it was so far from true and that she felt the need to get ahead of the story. Are we really surprised? Isn't Us Weekly the US's answer to like, okay magazine or like woman's day okay then maybe the more surprising (laughs) thing is that Hayley Bieber felt the need to rebut the story yeah well I mean maybe it could strike a nerve I don't know I think it's a touchy thing to ever discuss women's pregnancies and I imagine they've been married for a little bit they're also quite Christian I wouldn't be surprised if this hit some kind of nerve for Hayley who doesn't want to see stories about a fake pregnancy out there when I don't know who knows what's going on behind the scenes with this one but I agree I think Us Weekly is such a gossip mag that the vast majority of things they publish about her should completely ignore it is interesting that she chose to respond to this it's also always the best dare I say clap back when something really big is going on in the world like the election to be like and let's focus on what really matters also known as the election My third story, Gary Rowan and wife Amy split after swirling Geelong rumours. That is from the Daily Telegraph. This is a fascinating one, Zara. If you are a listener who is not in an AFL state or if you're not even in Australia, you might be kind of thinking, who the hell is Gary and Amy Rowan? They are an AFL couple. Gary Rowan is a Geelong 
star. He is a forward. His wife, Amy, has been in the public eye for quite some time, especially since they came out a few years ago and revealed their battle. They were pregnant with twins at the time and they knew very early on in that pregnancy that one of those twins would not survive. So they shared that story with the public. The public obviously fell in love with both the couple and their family. They've gone on to have two daughters. Yeah, and I think that the public did fall in love with them in particular and felt, I guess, more invested in their relationship and their family than the average AFL couples because they were so generous in sharing it with people. Like they shared this, I think, very, very early on mm. through the pregnancy that one of the babies wouldn't survive. And I think that really, really struck a chord with a lot of people who feel like this stuff isn't spoken about, particularly mm. in real time. Like the fact that we knew this was going to happen, everybody's kind of heart was on their sleeve a bit for them knowing yeah. that she was going into childbirth. So when a split story like this breaks it's obviously going to garner a bit of attention. Yeah, 100%. And the interesting thing about this story is this really has been swirling. Daily Telegraph wrote, split after swirling Geelong rumours, and that's absolutely the case. From my perspective anyway, what I've seen in group chats and what I've seen on like Reddit and different forums is that there have been rumours about this couple circulating for probably a month now, mm. like at fever pitch for at least a month. The rumours have been quite sticky and I don't think we'll even go into granular detail about them Zara because we can't even verify what's true what's false what's just conjecture but it does seem now at least that the couple have split and it is being written about in all the major newspapers around the country. There was a rumour too Mish that fellow player Tom Hawkins who also plays for Geelong did confront Gary while they were in the hub about his behaviour whatever that means and in the wake of this story breaking Amy did post on Instagram a quote that was really beautiful. The quote read, please be strong in who you are and please don't let the actions of another convince you that you are not good enough as you are. It was very widely supported by mm. the people that follow her and her friends and her family. So, I mean, it's a, it's a kind of conversation where I think a lot of people say, well, relationships do break down and they absolutely do break down. And we've said time and time again on this podcast, just because a relationship ends doesn't make it a failure. But I just mm. think for a lot of families who have been through something very similar to what Gary and Amy have been through I can imagine a lot of people are feeling something about this split yeah a hundred percent and it's also good to see her have so much support that's exactly what you want at a time like this my fourth story endorsing Trump got Lil Wayne dumped that is from Vulture <laughs> what a headline by the way simple straight to the point if you missed it during the week I don't know if you missed it <laughs> I mean, I was going to say if you missed the US election, but I did mean to say Lil Wayne, the rapper, enthusiastically endorsed Donald Trump just before the election. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people on my timeline, but I clearly exist in a bubble on the internet, weren't particularly happy with him. In particular, his girlfriend of the time, model Denise Bedeau. Yeah, so this was all confirmed on her Instagram account. She has now deactivated that Instagram. So there's like screenshots rolling around on different gossip sites and stuff. But one source close to the couple did say she broke up with Wayne. It wasn't just his Trump support, but that was a big part. I want to talk to you about this, Zara. Do you think it's grounds to break up with someone for supporting Trump? I understand completely why someone would. I think what my head is in, like the state my head is in right now, is that almost 50% of the public in the US voted for Trump. And I think the fact that someone being part of a camp that is 50% of the population could validate a breakup shows just how polarised American politics is. Oh, but I don't even think it's just American politics. Like I mm. think there are a lot of couples that 
wouldn't really be able to handle voting in such a different way. And I also think that's their prerogative. If you don't want to be with someone that believes fundamentally Mm. different things to you, why should you have to? I think there are a lot of people that are quite passionate about politics, understandably so, and don't want to date someone or be with someone for the rest of their life who don't believe very similar things to them. Mm, Totally fair enough. My fifth and final story for today's Quick and Dirty, Vanessa Hudgens does her best to calm the nerves of her followers as she posts stunning flashback bikini photos. We could all use a vacation right now. That is from the Daily Mail. This was your choice for today's Quick and Dirty. Why? What a fucking (laughs) stupid story. That's why. (laughs) Vanessa Hudgens does her best to calm the nerves of her followers because she posted a bikini photo. This was, I know that we often talk about how creative the Daily Mail is in being able to write maybe 500 to 1,000 words on just a pap photo. Mm -hmm. But this was beyond anything I've ever seen. First and foremost, making the assumption that people were calmer for having seen Vanessa Hudgens' photo really did tickle my fancy. I also thought it was funny some of the lines that the Daily Mail writer wrote. Give me your best ones. Well, I've got some written down. The first was they quoted her. So they said, I feel like we could all use a vacation right now, said the brunette bombshell to her nearly 40 million Instagram followers, which includes Sailor Brinkley Cook and (laughs) Ashley Tisdale. Like, I've never seen that before. It would literally be like them writing an article about me, her X amount of Instagram followers, including Mitchell Rees and Vicky Andrews. <laughs> like in what world is the two of her random followers relevant? Let the record show that Mitch and mum love following your Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there was also another line that said, there was also an intricate belly and neck chain on the cover girl. The links went down to her chest over her tummy. I actually feel like this is an invasion of privacy now even reading this. And along her hips for a 1970s look. And there were several bangles on her wrist as well as slender rings on her fingers not to be missed was a diamond belly piercing that shone in the bright caribbean in the bright caribbean sun and looked like something britney spears may own this honestly reads like satire to me Two more lines, if you'll allow me. These bright and cheerful photos are in strong contrast to her dark Halloween looks that she shared for her admirers. Whenever I jump on Instagram next, I'm just going to be like, hello, admirers. She selected, and so then they were talking about what she did for Halloween. She selected a truly zany filter for the clip, which gave her a third Cyclops eye in the middle of her forehead. What? Just the level of intricate, bullshit, uninteresting detail that is included in this story has blown my mind. Do you think there's like a Daily Mail writer's school? Like you go to a two-week boot camp before you begin. The first lesson is always blame the woman. Like no matter what, blame the woman, slut shame her, talk about her pert derriere. Lesson two list the most obvious facts just to get to a certain word count. Like if I was writing an article about you right now, I'd be like, Zara McDonald has over 200 bones in her body. She's covered in skin. Well, it's very much like that. Anyway, so thank you to Vanessa Hudgens for calming the nerves of millions of Americans this week because of her bikini photo. I do feel calmer. Thank you, Vanessa. You are so welcome for me bringing that to you anyway. Is that all you've got for me? <laughs> That's all I've got. Thank you, next bitch. If you've been on Netflix over the last fortnight, there is every chance you've seen the trailer for the streaming giant's new chart-topping feature film. Holiday, starring Emma Roberts and Luke Bracey, follows two unlikely singletons, Sloane and Jackson, who pledge to be each other's plus ones for each holiday celebration over the course of one year. 
Holiday is the brainchild of writer Tiffany Paulson and director John Whitesell and is the most watched holiday film to premiere in 2020. When we polled you guys during the week, over half of Shameless listeners have already watched Holiday, but that doesn't necessarily make it one to watch. In fact, as much as it is popular, Holiday is also hated, with the New York Times labeling the flick as noxious. Zara, I forced you to watch Holiday. Were you surprised to see it sitting in the top spot on the Netflix chart over the weekend? Well, I was just about to say you picked an interesting stat to lead with, which was it is the most watched holiday film to premiere in 2020, given it premiered on October 28. <laughs> it's literally the earliest one to premiere. True. But I will not deny it has been very popular on Netflix. It's I think it's maintained its top spot in Netflix top 10 since its release. Mm-hmm. So people are watching the shit out of this. Was I surprised? <laughs> Yes, because I actually wasn't really across what the film was until you watched it and you told me that I had to watch it for the purpose of work because we had to have a conversation about it because you had so much to say. Yeah, I was sitting with my sister and we needed a girls' night. So we thought, well, this is all over our Netflix feed. Obviously, we needed to watch it. Everyone's talking about it on social media. And I literally sat down and watched the first 15 minutes and thought, okay, well, the guy that they're showing us the most is clearly like a decoy protagonist. They're trying to make us think... Should we? Should I interrupt and say there may be spoilers in this segment? There will be a million spoilers <laughs> in this segment, but let me tell you guys, we're saving you 113 minutes of your life, so thank us later. I was literally watching this guy thinking, okay, he's such a dick and he is such an annoying, like... He's slimy. He's slimy and just sexist and gross. There's no way that in 2020 they're writing this guy to be like the dreamboat. I kept watching it and got to half an hour in and Evelyn and I turned to each other and we're like, this is the guy. This is legitimately the guy they think we're all going to fall in love with and we want to get with the girl. And it blew my mind because it has been so long since I saw such a slimy male character being kind of framed as the ultimate dream guy. I think what I find annoying generally about myself mostly is that I can recognise this stuff. He is slimy. He is gross. The point of the movie is essentially that Emma Roberts' character is lonely and needs a guy to make her happy. And I know all of this and yet in me, I kind of (laughs) want them to get together in the end and I don't know why. I think it's because I'm used to neat bows. I think we're used to neat bows on films and you kind of feel like that's what you want. I don't know. I can't explain it because I don't like him. I didn't really like her. I didn't really think they needed each other and yet at the end I was kind of like, oh, it would be easier if they just ended up together. Don't you think though it was written like something in the 90s? Yes. I couldn't believe how weirdly outdated it was you know when you watch a rerun of friends and you're like oh this is like fine for the time but you can see how in 2020 this is completely out of date and like a lot of the jokes are really disgusting and completely not with the times this struck me as something that was written 30 years ago like there was so much talk about dresses being slutty or women letting themselves go or a woman becoming emotionally attached to a guy after she sleeps with him once it really did feel so outdated well I think the line that really stuck out to me was when the main character Jackson said that he didn't want to have casual sex with the main character Sloan because girls get clingies and say are hardwired (laughs) to attach and procreate I mean it's kind of funny in it in it's like ridiculous ridiculousness beyond the bad characters like the unlikable characters it was also just a terrible movie like Samantha Birchson wrote for Pop Sugar one of the best lines ever holiday makes no sense there is no (laughs) character development no real romance and absolutely no heart imagine putting a piece of work into the world and somebody saying that it has absolutely no heart I reckon that's about as harsh as you can get 
Yes, but like I don't blame them given seven minutes in we had the quote, chicks go mental on the holidays. And that was completely serious. Like this was the male protagonist saying chicks go crazy over the holidays. He also had a conversation 20 minutes in about how girls have crazy eyes. He made a (laughs) comment on the first date to Sloane, by the way, your tits look exceptional in that dress. Love the way it hugs your ass too. Am I being a prude? Like am I watching this going, that's ick and that's gross and no woman would really love that. Like from your boyfriend to be like, your tits look great in that dress, I'd be like, thank you, Mitch. Not that he would ever say that because I was going to say your grandmother (laughs) does listen to this podcast too. From your boyfriend or from your partner of a long period of time, I get it. From a guy on the first date, is there any woman out there who wants them to make that comment upon seeing each other? You know what? Potentially, yes, but maybe not the vast majority. What I found interesting is The Hollywood Reporter had a really interesting review of the film and the writer Robin Barr, who wrote the review, said one of her biggest issues with the film was how Sloan, the main character, was written as a cool girl. And her line was, Emma Roberts personifies a cool girl who's less defined by her supposedly transgressive tastes, moods and vices than the fact that every woman surrounding her has the intellectual dexterity of an amoeba. I actually don't know what that means. I probably said it wrong. What's the fuck's an amoeba? Does that mean we have the intellectual dexterity of an amoeba if we don't know what an amoeba is? Probably. I actually don't know why I pulled this line out when I got Live even- Google time. Amoeba. It is. Ooh. It's like one of those like sluggy like things in the sea it is is a type of cell or unicellular organism which has the ability to alter its shape primarily by extending and retracting pseudopods this was actually not at all where i thought we were getting to today the rest of the quote is actually the good bit she went on to write director john weitzel and writer tiffany paulson want you to see sloan as a refreshingly mordant rom-com protagonist she smokes cigarettes and hoovers candy she's unbashedly raunchy she sneers at feminine expectations i think that's a huge part of it too Mm. yes we can focus on jackson the main guy but also i think the character of sloan is like a huge cool girl that's meant to play into all these sexist tropes too also played into that trope of like the size six woman who eats all this junk food and then on top of that trope where it's like she can eat whatever she wants but it's cool because she's thin. They had the trope of him shaming her for eating bad food. It was like every <laughs> shitty trope under the sun they packed into this movie. And I don't know if I should be surprised. I mean, this is the director who also brought us Big Mama's House too. So should I have expected some kind of culturally aware feminist rom-com? Probably not. Am I still disappointed? Morbidly so. I 100% agree. I have to say my least favourite line in the entire film was when they were trying to get kind of deep and meaningful towards the end and they were trying to push these two (laughs) characters together. And he was, you know, having his redemption tour and he was saying to her, like, of course I find you beautiful with those lips that beg to be kissed. And I was like, who the fuck wrote that line and how are they employed? How is that lips that beg to be kissed? What the fuck do lips that beg to be kissed look like? Are they just pouty? (laughs) It's just collagen. I know. I think it's just pouty because it's like, kiss me. Give me your best lips that beg to be kissed. (laughs) It's a pout. It's 100% a pout. You were just pursing your lips in a way that looked like you were judging everyone in the room. (laughs) Tell me though, this is obviously the worst Christmas film either of us have ever seen. What is your favourite Christmas film and what makes a Christmas film good? Well, this is what made me think while I was watching the film. Do the people who are making this film know how bad it is? Because part of me thinks they were trying to make a Christmas film that was so bad that it was going to be good. But this Mm. film was so bad that it was actually just really, really bad. Mm. And I think that a lot of films, right, are put into the world with the people making them knowing they're not going to kind of change the cultural landscape of the world that we live in but just make people happy 
One of the films that comes to mind <laughs> is uh, Last Christmas with Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. Oh, you talked about this last year Did, on the show. I know. Did you ever end up watching that? No, thank God. So that film was incredible up until the 80% <laughs> – uh, what do you say? The 80% point mark? I don't even know if that makes 80% sense. 80% mark, yeah. I, up until the 80% mark when it went absolutely batshit crazy and anyone <laughs> who's seen that film will absolutely know what I mean. So I think Last Christmas is worth a watch just for the first 80% and then just switch off. Can I give you a niche one? Yes. This actually, this can be my recommendation for the week. Go. I want everyone to go watch While You Were Sleeping. Have you ever heard of this film? I don't know this one. While You Were Sleeping is my mum's favourite film. We watch it every holiday season. It has Sandra Bullock in it. It is actually from the 90s. It also has Sandy, you know, Sandy from the OC. Oh, I love him. He's in it as well. He's like kind of the love interest, but not really. While You Were Sleeping is the best Christmas film I've ever seen do not come for me. You will agree with me if you watch it. Give it a shot. Yes, I love Love Actually. That's obviously the best film of all time also. But while you were sleeping, no one can tell me it's not a great film. It is the best. Okay, well, if you're going to say something niche, then can I put forward Home Alone 4? Oh. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen any of the. I've uh, seen none I, of the Home Alone I actually films. didn't really like the first three. But the fourth <laughs> one, the fourth one has a different actor and his parents live in this fucking huge house. Or at the very least, it seemed huge when I was little and I watched <laughs> it. And I was just enamoured with this film because the little Home Alone kid could walk into the house and be like, lights on, blinds down. And at the time, this was revolutionary. <laughs> I know people have shit like Google and Telstra Home now or whatever they've got. But this was huge and I still love that movie for that nostalgia. I also very much rate The Holiday, but I do feel like The Holiday was ruined by that very viral Twitter thread that absolutely blew to shreds. The timing. The timeline of that film where it was like, this film makes no sense if you actually think about the timeline. You are such an enigma to me. Really? You're someone who doesn't watch anything. Like you don't watch (laughs) The Lion King. You don't watch any of the classic films and yet you stuck through three Home Alone (laughs) films. You admit that you didn't like any of them and then you finally got to the fourth and enjoyed that. Well, I had three siblings. I didn't have that much power over what I watched. I just had to sit in front of what they wanted. So instead of watching The Lion King, you thought, no, no, let's give this failed franchise another shot. I mean, unless you want to psychoanalyse my family. (laughs) (laughs) You're just so interesting. (laughs) What was going on in the McDonald household? Honestly, I think about this all the time. I don't know. Anyone who knows Zara and her siblings will get it. (laughs) (laughs) Just anyway. Hey, I think that might be all we've got time for. I, by the way, before we actually wrap this up, can't believe we've already had a conversation about Christmas movies in November, the beginning of November, do you think we can squeeze in another conversation about Christmas movies before the year is out? I mean, Christmas movies are my favourite part of any year. So, God, I hope so. I would love to have a Christmas-themed segment in every episode for the rest of the year, but I know that lots of listeners won't like that. I'm just fucking stoked that we're at this part of the year because it's the best part of the year. It is the greatest part of the year. So, Merry Christmas to one <laughs> and all. It's been so great to have ho, you. Ho, ho. <laughs> Maybe we'll just give a little Christmas message at the end of every episode. But if you did make it this far, uh, thank you once again. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Our book club Facebook group is called Shameless Podcast Book Club, I think. Oh, good work. Very good. Thank and you. follow us on Spotify. Yeah. Click the grip, click the big green bottle. <laughs> We're not editing that out. The click what the what? Click the, the big green button on Spotify. Thanks so much, guys. See you on Thursday. Bye.
Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week. Now, every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.